Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. I want to talk to you today about part two of a message I started last week. The message was called Pray, Invest, and Invite. And the whole essence of it was that um, as a Christ follower, God wants us to uh, pray for those that don't yet know him and then invest in their lives, build relationship, and then ultimately invite them to know him. Like there's a process he wants us to take. Now, I want to say something here today. If you're here and you are not yet a Christ follower, maybe you're considering it, you're processing it. Um, I want to encourage you, even though some of these things I'm going to share today are going to be really geared towards people who are already Christ followers. The message I'm going to share today will be very pertinent to you. And I hope that, that you'll get to really see what the gospel is, what the truth about Jesus is. I want to present it in a way that's so simple for all of us, and hopefully it will help you as well. So I just wanted to say that to whoever might be here in that place today, because we're thankful that you're here checking this out. So um, I want to also give credit to a man named Grantley Watkins from England. I actually, this message that, that I'm speaking, the basis of it, and uh, information about John 4, and just the way he presented it, I received a few years ago from Grantley Watkins. I was in a seminar. I was so inspired. And so I, I had it up on the screen last week, but I didn't actually verbally mention it. I wanted to just give credit to him because um, that's just appropriate. And so um, I want to look to this morning. I want to go with part two. What I'm going to do with part one is I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a quick review because not everyone was here last week. And, you know, I get that. And so I want to give you a quick review of part one so you kind of understand where we're coming from. And then I want to head into part two. Here's some thoughts about why this kind of a message is important. Let me give you some stats. A man named Steve Sogvin, he's a, um, a Scandinavian preacher, uh, he surveyed 2,000 of his members, and here's what he found out. Less than 5% uh, in their entire Christian life had told someone in depth about their faith. Less than 5%, okay, of, of the believers in this guy's church. Only 2% had ever led someone to Jesus. Out of the 2,000, 2% of his people had led someone to Jesus. 98% had not. Now, there was a Gallup poll. Gallup's a big uh, surveyor in uh, North America. They surveyed 22 million evangelicals in Canada and the U.S. Here's what they found. Similar statistics. 7% of Christians, only 7% of Christians had ever gone to an evangelism training course to learn how to share their faith. Only 2% had introduced another person to Jesus. And 94%, though, believed they were called to be witnesses. Okay? So do you see what I'm saying? So... So most Christians, like vast majority, almost 100% would say, yes, I'm called to share my faith. Yes, I'm called to be a witness. They would agree. We'd all agree. But really, when we come down to it, and, you know, and, I, and this isn't meant to point fingers, it's meant to stir us, okay, that only 2% on average are able to, to share their faith and see people one to Christ. Now, I think that percentage is going to go up. Would you agree with me? I think God wants to elevate that percentage. Uh, I don't know what the percentage would be in this church, and, and, and it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not here pointing fingers at myself or anyone else, but I believe God wants to do something. He wants to give us a greater passion, but only a passion of confidence. I think part of the issue with um, believers is often we don't know what to say or do, right? And so one of my goals today in this message is very simply, everybody say simple. Let me say it again, simple. I want to, in a simple way, help you and me to understand how to share faith, simple, and even some tools that would help you so that the next time you have an opportunity, it wouldn't be like, oh, what do I do? What do we do? Be like, no, I think I think I can pull this app out. Oh, I think I have this little leaflet I'll give away. Or, oh, I, I remember now. There's just a quick way I can share this. See, it's simple. The gospel is never meant to be complicated. And I think the enemy of our souls works hard on us to tell us, you're no good, you can't share the gospel, you don't know how to do it, you're going to mess up, and, and, and not, so don't say anything because, you know, you'll get it wrong, or you'll get rejected, and it, you'll just look weird, and he, he does this with all of us. Because why? Because we have the message of life. We have the truth, and we're going to look at that today. But I, I am really believing today, I am, I am passionate in my heart, that God would stir all of us, that we would all become more engaged in sharing the gospel, seriously, wherever we live. And so <clears throat> without, you know, I could, I could preach my whole first message again, and that, wouldn't, that would be okay, but it wouldn't be great because then I wouldn't get to my second one. So I want to just give you really quickly a summary here of what we were talking about. We looked last week at Matthew 28, and that's 
the last words of Jesus. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the last thing he told his disciples before he went to heaven, before he ascended back into heaven. He said, go and make disciples. And so that is the main call for all of us. Go and make disciples. Now, when, when he talks about disciples, it means, yes, we want to uh, share the good news and people to come to Christ. But a disciple is a follower. A disciple is someone whose life is patterned after Jesus. And so Jesus was saying, I want you to go and replicate yourself. I want you to be a disciple. I want you to be a follower of me and, and do live for me and do what I say and, and, and honor me. But then make other people like that, like show them. And again, I don't think it's complicated. I think God wants to make it easier for all of us. So God wants it to flow out of our natural lives. He wants us to be disciple makers in our schools in our jobs, in our neighborhood, with the people around us, in our families. He wants us to carry his presence in all those places in a very natural way. And, and here's the good news. You and I were each customly made to do this. You are unique, right? I'm unique. God has gifted me in unique ways. And all of us can do this because we all have gift, different gifts and skills. And there's people that you can meet and reach that I can't and vice versa, right? We're all meant to fit our niche. No two are alike. And so we just say, God, how do I make this part of my life? How can this be natural to me? Now, the, the story we looked at was from John chapter 4 last week. And again, I'm going to kind of summarize this. It's a really cool story in the Bible where Jesus, Jesus comes to uh, a, a well, and it's the middle of the day, and he sits down, and his disciples go off to McDonald's to get some food. It wasn't McDonald's, but they go to get some food, right? And, and so Jesus is sitting there, <laughs> Jesus is sitting there, and this woman comes to draw water in the middle of the day. The reason she comes is because she's rejected. She uh, comes at the hot part of the day so that no one else is there because she doesn't want to meet anyone because her lifestyle is bad. And she's ashamed, and she doesn't want anyone to see her, so she comes out when no one's there to draw water. That's what's happening. So Jesus happens to be sitting there. You know what I like about the story? It just shows that no matter how ashamed, no matter how rejected, no matter how much of a loser we might feel at times, Jesus will be waiting by the well for us. Isn't that a good picture? I need, I need water, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, I'm right here. I'm waiting for you. Yeah, I know you're ashamed and rejected, but I love you, and I'm ready to give you some water. So, so, so Jesus is sitting there, and Jesus says, uh, you know, could you get me some water? Because she has a bucket and everything. And uh, she t she's shocked that he talked to her because she's a woman and she's a Samaritan. Samaritans are, were half Jews and Jews didn't really appreciate them too much. And so generally they didn't talk to them. And then she's a woman. And in those days, a man's not going to walk up and just talk to a woman. So she's like, oh, are you talking to me? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, looking around, are you talking to me? And he's like, yeah, could, could you get me some water? And, sh and she says, well... Um, she's shocked, and then, and then he says to her, if you knew who was asking you for the water, you'd ask him for living water, and you'd never thirst again. I'm paraphrasing this. And she goes, well, sir, tell me where to get this water. I, I, I want this water. And then he says, hey, I'm the source of this water, right? And she's blown away, and he says, go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, that's right, you don't. You, you, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. Like, he's your male. Can you imagine? Like, think of this for a minute. Your male being read like that? Like, whoa. And she goes, I can tell you're a prophet. Well, yeah, I just told her about her life. Well, here's what happens with her. She's so impressed in his care, his concern, and the fact that he knows her and doesn't seem to be condemning her, right? He just, matter of fact, he tells her, this is who you are, but he's not condemning her. Isn't that cool about Jesus? He knows who we are. But he doesn't condemn us. He actually wants to love us into the kingdom. And so sh she gets so excited, she leaves her pot and runs into the town. And she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now what happens there in John 4, 29, I think it's on the screen, is that she's so impressed, she's so touched by Jesus that she wants to run in and tell everyone else. She tells, she tells the whole town. And what happens is Jesus ends up staying there for two days, praying for them and speaking to them, and people are touched and lives are changed. It's an amazing story. You should read all of it. I've given you the highlights. But why do I read that story? Well, because there is a, there's a part there that's really powerful. You know, we often would look at witnessing and we'd look at what Jesus did in that story, right? How we talked to that woman, how we engaged with her, and we'd say, that's the, the way we should witness. And, and, and he does a great job. 
But, but actually, I want to focus, and we, we started focusing last week on what the woman did. Because the woman is you and I. If we're a Christ follower who has embraced what Jesus has done, we're, we're that person. Because she encounters Jesus, and then she's so excited that he touched her life. I mean, does anybody here remember when you first gave your life to Christ and how excited you were about it and how many people you told? I remember my mother, I mean, I was six at the time when I gave my life to Christ. So uh, I wasn't a raving evangelist in grade one. I wasn't. But, but um, although I did lead people to, to Christ in grade three and grade four on buses and by my portable, so I, I, I had a bit of fire there. But, but my mom, my mom was 40 years old when she gave her life to Christ. And she told everybody, told her family, burnt a few bridges, to be honest with her family. <laughs> I won't have, you know, put your hand up. Anybody done that? Um, you know, you, you're excited. Hey, family, I know the truth. And they're like, leave me alone, right? Like it's, it can be tough, a little bit overbearing. You learn over time. And so she's excited though. And she says, I want you to meet Jesus. And it's such a powerful thing. And so all of us can be her. So how are we here? Well, we looked last week at a few quick things. And again, just, just a, a review. The first one is walking into the world. Uh, she went back into her world. She went back to her town, to her people. And, and for you and I, it would be back to our school, back to our coworkers, back to our family, back to our neighbors. And she went back and told them, you need to meet Jesus. You know, in John 17, 18, Jesus said this, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You and I are sent people. If we're a Christ follower, we've been sent. We, we are apprehended by God, and then he sends us back into our world to make a difference. So exciting. Now, what are some benefits of walking into our world? I'm, I'm going to list these. Again, you can get the full meal deal if you go online. Um, it'll feed you. It will feed you. Jesus said, that his disciples come back to him and they and they go, you know, I could just imagine if it was modern day, you know, carrying bags of food, somebody has a drink tray, you know, it's like, here, Jesus. And, and so he goes back and <laughs> it wasn't that way then, but I could imagine it. And Jesus goes, guys, thanks for the food, but, but uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm satisfied. And they go, did someone bring him food? That's what they literally say. Did someone else scoop it, you know, scoop us and bring him food ahead of time and now he has no appetite? Bummer, we worked so hard. Right. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, Jesus wasn't saying he, was, he didn't need to eat physically. He sure did. But he's saying my food, my essence, the thing that gets me going, the thing that feeds my soul, the thing that gets me excited about life. So I want to get out of bed. So I want to so I want to live is to do the will of God for my life. That's what he's saying. The whole part of my life is just to be obedient to God and do what he's called me to do. And that gives me food. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I've been starving because I'm not doing what God called me to do. Because I'm not really engaging. And I'm like, why am I so dry? Why am I starving? Why, why, why do I feel so unfulfilled? Because I'm not eating the right food. I'm eating junk food. I'm just eating the temporary stuff. I'm, you know, all the entertainment and everything else, but I'm not really eating the food of heaven. And Jesus said, doing my Father's will feeds me. Number two, he expands you. Philemon 6 says that when we are active in sharing our faith, we have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I love that passage. And what it says is that really, unless you and I are sharing our faith, we will not have a full understanding of who we are in Christ. Unless we are. There's something about sharing our faith with others that expands us and causes us to depend on God and causes us to realize His goodness like nothing else does. You and I could read all the Bible all day, every year, and read lots of theological books, and without sharing our faith, we don't really know. Do you understand? That's so important we understand that. It will, it will cause us... It will cause us... And then thirdly, I lost my notes for a minute. It will purpose you. It will purpose you. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Again, when we embrace the passion of preaching the gospel, it purposes us. It gives us mission. You know, Paul said, if I'm going to go on living in my body, this will be, be good for you. He was battling. You know, should I go to heaven? And Philippians 1, should I go to heaven? Should I stay on earth? Not that he was going to kill himself, but he was feeling like his end was near. And he's saying, you know what? I'd rather be in heaven. I'd rather be here right now so I can take more people to heaven with me. 
Isn't that an amazing mindset? I'd rather stick around for a few more years. It's hard here, but you know what? If I don't stay here and I don't invest myself, there are people going to go to hell. So I'm going to stay here and invest. Isn't that an amazing mindset? I think it's a mindset God wants us to have. It's a passion he wants us to have. And then it, it, it will fill you. In Acts 4, it's interesting. In Acts 4, they ask God to perform signs and wonders and to touch people with the gospel. And when they ask him to do that and empower them, he fills them with the spirit. I think sometimes the reason we don't feel as full of the spirit in our lives, as it were, and the power of God is because we're not actually releasing it in our lives. We've become a reservoir. We become like, God, fill me. God, fill me. God, fill me. I need to be filled. And God says, you know, I want to fill you, but I want you to be a conduit. I want you to be someone I can fill, and you're pouring out. And, and as you pour out, there's more. Best moments in my life are where I'm pouring out by the Holy Spirit, and God's touching people. I feel so full. Do you know what I mean? I shouldn't be. I should be like, I'm drained right now. I feel full. Why? Because he's moving through me. And I, I get to hold on to his presence as he touches other people. You understand how this works? It will fill you. And lastly, you will glorify him. John 15 says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You want to glorify God? Bear much fruit. Be fruitful. Now, again, I don't want to put pressure on you and just like, oh, this was some legalistic message and I feel so pressurized. That's not the goal. But I think we need to be hungry. There needs to be a hunger in this church for more. There needs to be a passion that says, God, I want a life that matters, and I want a passion for you, and I don't want to just live and put my foot in front of each other every day just like I have been. I want more in my life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sorry if I'm over the top, but I'm not really. <laughs> I'm not really sorry. I really sense God's heart in this. Transparent Christian living is the second thing. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And that's where... We allow people to know we're believers. And, and we, we look for ways to do that. And we'll talk more about that. And then thirdly, telling our personal gospel story and giving an invitation. Again, she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Um, sharing our faith by telling our testimony is the most powerful thing. I was talking to someone about this yesterday, I think, as well. How our personal testimony is the most powerful thing we have. No one can argue with our testimony. You know, God changed my life. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He changed my life. You can't argue with me. You might not believe in God, and you might struggle with some of these things, but you can't argue with my life being changed. Testimony. So what, what is a testimony? How do we share it? Really quickly, I shared last time that we tell people what our life was like before being a Christian. Tell people what you were like. Tell them the problems you had. Tell them the, the, the issues that you struggle with. And then secondly, what caused you to consider Christ? You know, how did you come to a place? What was it? What, you know, what was it a crisis? Did somebody talk to you? Like, what happened that you started thinking about Jesus? And then number three, how did you finally come to faith? What happened? When, what was the moment? And then what difference has it made now in your life? Simple stuff. Really is simple. And I remember in our life group one time, you that were part of our life group in those days, you remember how we did this? We tried to do it in two minutes. People are like, whoa. Some people like got the introduction in two minutes. Like, two minutes? Oh my goodness. But we did it. We actually did. We had a phone on and then the alarm would go off. Yeah, who remember that? Who remembers that? So we were trying to teach people, like, if you could do this in two minutes, I mean you could do it on an elevator. Think of that, right? I don't know, you know, I mean you have to pick the right moment, but I'm just saying two minutes. You could talk to somebody quickly and tell them your story. Just a thought. So Learning to do our testimony is so important. So here's today. Here, that's all my preamble, review. Here's what I want to do today. I want to pick up here today, and I want to look into how we can more effectively share the gospel message. Okay, here, here's a poll for you. Why, what are the two biggest reasons that Christians struggle to share their faith? Just be honest. Hmm? Fear. fear is the number one. Absolutely, number one, fear. I fight that myself. Fear. What, what's the fear of? Rejection. Won't, yeah, there's the second one. Two things I think are the biggest issues. Number one is fear. And sometimes it's overt fear. You know, you think about it here. We don't have guns. You know, we, you know, you go to North Korea and you share your faith. You could get killed. There's other countries 
He could be in jail. But in Canada, I share my faith. Someone just might tell me I'm a fanatic. <gasps> That'd be awful. You know what I mean? Seriously, it's, it's a lot different here. But, but it, it's real for us, okay? So fear. The second thing is not knowing what to say. I think I hear that from people all the time. Well, I just don't know. I wouldn't know. I, my tongue gets tied. And then I'm going to screw up. And I'm going to tell them the wrong thing. And then, then they're like, you know, that was weird. And then I, I mess up. So I just won't say anything. Well, I don't think that's helpful, right? To not say anything. So what I want to do is want to give you two quick ways that you can do this. Okay? Simple. Remember? Remember I said simple? Simple. Number one, it's as simple as ABC. As ABC. Remember this. There's three quick steps you can tell somebody that will help them understand in a, in a quick way what the gospel is. The first is admit. If you and I are going to become to know Jesus, the first thing we have to do is admit that we've sinned and we've fallen short of God's standard of perfection. Now, this should be simple for most of us because <laughs> we all know we mess up, right? I don't think anybody in the world would say they're perfect. We all know we miss the mark. And sin, you know the word sin? It actually just means missing the mark. It means, it means that I intend to do something and I, I should live a certain way, but I can't and I don't. That's what sin is. It means that God has a certain prescribed way for me to live, and, and it's the way to live. Listen, I want to say something about God's way to live. God is not a killjoy. God does not have different commands and, and you know, laws, as it were, because he hates us. He has them because he loves us. And he knows that these are the ways to life. And when we follow them and we obey them, we're blessed. And he wants us blessed. So he wants us to obey them. Do you understand? This is, this is reality. It's like us with our kids. You know, when we have children and, and, and they won't listen to us. And we tell them, this is what you should do. And they say, no, I won't. Well, we're, we're telling them to do it that way because we know it's the best way for them. We love them. We would do anything to protect them and help them. And when they say no and they choose to do something that, that is wrong, that we said no to and they get hurt, that's what sin is. Do you understand? That's sin. And just like that mother or father is grieving over their child being hurt, that's God. He grieves over it. He, he's like, I, I, I didn't want you to get hurt. I'm sad that you are hurt now. But what does a good parent do when a son or daughter does that and gets hurt? Still loves them and even helps them get out of it, right? Even helps them figure out how to take care of the problem. Do you understand? If they touch the stove and the parent said, don't touch the stove, but they touched it and burned their hand, a good parent is going to go, you shouldn't have touched the stove. Don't do it again. Let me go and get some salve for your hand. I'm going to help you get healed. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? That's, so sin is the disobedience, but God's a good father, and he wants to help us. So the first key for anyone is just to admit that we can't do it on our own. Now, this is hard for people because we live in a culture that says, I can do it. I'm a self-made man. You know, every, uh, every man's an island. You know, I can live my own way. I can do it myself. Well, you can't. I don't care how good you are. God is greater. God is perfect. And when you and I sin... We are no longer like him. And that's really the essence of it. God is perfect. His ways are perfect. And if we want to be with him, we need to be perfect. But we're not. We have a problem. So how do we deal with that sin? How do we deal with our wrongdoing? Well, we got to admit, first of all, that we have a problem. Romans 3.23 is the scripture to remember here. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, every person in the world has sinned. So admit. First key is to admit. Second key is to believe. Believe. What do you believe? You believe that Jesus paid the price for the sin when he died and rose again. You know, that's why we celebrate Easter. Pure and simple. We celebrate the fact that our Savior, who came to this earth, was born of a virgin. It's an amazing story. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Who was sinless. Never sinned in his own... It's hard for us to fathom that but didn't sin, did not break God's laws his whole life, 33 and a half years. Because of it, he could pay the price for our sin because he was perfect. You know, I, I, I'll tell a story to people when I talk about this, and I'll tell you the story, and this, this helps explain it to people. I always say this, if you and I uh, were going to go to court, 
and say, and I always put it on the other person, just, I say, say you had all these parking tickets. I try not to make it too serious. And, and they were like way overdue. And you went to court. And I was there in the courtroom too. And you were in the courtroom. And, and the judge called you up and said, um, wow, you've got like all these parking tickets. They're way in arrears. I'm going to throw you in jail. But what if me as a good friend, your good friend, stepped up and said, whoa, judge, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? I don't want him to go to jail. I want you to send me to jail instead. I look like a hero, right? I'm, I'm going to, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take your place. But what if then the judge looks on the docket for, the ja- for the, that day's proceedings in court and realizes my name is there. Sees my name. And I have even more parking tickets, Right? I'm even a worse offender than this guy, but I'm like somehow I'm going to pay the price for what you did. What would the judge say? He'd say, you sit down. I'll talk to you next. You're going to be in jail longer, right? I can't take his place because I'm a sinner just like that person. Now, here's the good news. Jesus, see, this is the reality of this. Jesus would be the one standing there and he would go over and say, hey, hold on. I'll pay the price. And the judge would look on the docket, and he would never see Jesus' name anywhere. In other words, Jesus has done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve to be in jail. So the judge could say, okay, take that person's place because you don't deserve it, and that's that's a good, fair trade. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, Jesus, that's what he did for us. Jesus didn't deserve it, but he said, hey, the Father said, this is the way. I'm going to save all my people. In one foul swoop, as it were, I'm going to save the whole human race and I'm going to put on them. I'm going to put on my one son who has not sinned, doesn't deserve it, but therefore has the opportunity to pay the price. I'm going to put all the sin on him. And he's going to pay the price because he can. And once he pays the price, now this is the good news, everybody in history can now grab a hold of what he did and be forgiven and be in heaven when they die. This is... The good news. Do you hear me on this? Is anyone else excited about this good news? This is amazing. It's an incredible story. It's why we need to carry it, because it's, it's the best news ever for the whole human race. The price has been paid. So we need to understand that we need to believe. And believing just means that I am willing to accept that it's true. A, I'm willing to accept that my life is sinful and that I don't obey God and that I can't. And two, that Jesus died for me because he loves me. And therefore, Jesus, I believe what you did. That's the second point. And then the third point, I like for 1 John 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. (laughs) Jesus came to destroy the work of Satan in our world and in our lives. So we need to believe that he did that. Okay, number uh, C, confess. So admit, believe, confess. We need to confess that we give our lives to Jesus. Make him Lord, master, willing to do whatever he asks us to do. That's really what it means. If you say, make Jesus Lord, it means, Jesus, I'm going to get off the throne of my life. I, I love this picture. I love to give people pictures. So it's like if all of us here, we have a throne inside our heart okay do you picture that now all of us here start off with ourselves being on the throne all right me i'm in charge of my life this is my life and i will determine my life so here i am i'm sitting on the throne of my life now the reality is we're very poor rulers (laughs) of our own lives okay people have found that over the years when they lead their own lives they tend to fail they're in, unable. They, they just, they're not good leaders, good rulers. So what happens is Jesus comes along and he says, listen, I can make a difference in your life, but I, I need you to do something. Oh, yes, Jesus, what do, you, what do you want me to do? I need you to get off the throne of your life and let me get on the throne. Well, what does that mean? It means I'm the ruler now. It means I'll be your king. I'll be your Lord. Well, Jesus, how do I know that this is good for me? Well, because I love you and I made you and I know what's best for you. And you can trust me. So if you let me rule and lead your life, I will guide your life into my plans and purposes and I will be there for you and I will save you from a lot of heartache. Yes, it's going to be hard because life is hard, but I will be there to guide you and I'll never leave you. How does that sound? 
How does that sound, church? That's a good trade-off. So you know what happens? When we confess that we give our lives to him, we get off the throne. And we say, Jesus, get on the throne of my life. I am no longer in charge of myself. You are. You are my Lord. Which means I want to do whatever you say. Which means I want to know you every day. I want, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want you to guide my life. I want to commune with you. I trust you. Thank you for leading my life. My life's a mess without you, but, but you're there and I thank you. We confess and we give our lives to him. Now, this aspect is from Romans 10. Remember this passage, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your mouth that you believe and are justified. It is with your, mouth, is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We believe in our heart and therefore we confess with our mouth. That's why we should never be silent Christians. We need to confess. We need to tell people that we're Christ followers. But it starts with believing. We have to believe it in here. And once we believe, we need to confess it here. When you lead someone to Christ, it's very important to lead them through a prayer where they confess. They need to say it. They need to confess it. And then encourage them to go tell somebody else. Even as hard as that could be. Even to go home and tell their family, I'm a believer. Or tell someone close to them, I'm a believer. It could be hard for them. But but that's important because that's what it means to be a disciple. Confess. Admit. Believe. Confess. Does that sound simple? A, B, C. You know, if you and I just remembered that, and you were talking to somebody and they said, what, what do you believe? It would be not that hard to go, well, I believe that, number one, we all need to admit that we can't please God on our own. I, I, I believe that. We, we need to admit it. Listen, are, are you perfect? No, I'm not. Well, neither am I. We just need to admit it. We need a Savior. Number two, then I believe we need to believe in what Jesus did. And lastly, if you want to seal the deal, we need to confess it. We need, we need to confess that he's Lord. And Do you understand? It's that simple. It's that simple. Stay simple with me. Simple. It's simple. All right, number two, I'm going to show you something else here. How many of you have a smartphone? Do you know the percentages of people with smartphones now is unbelievable, right? I, I can't even remember. I had a, a stat on it. I can't remember, but it is massive how many people have these, which can be a problem. They can be really good. I want to just show you something right now uh, on the screen. This is an app you can use to share your faith. Now, now, bear with me on this. This is very valuable. It's called, it's called, coincidentally, share your faith. Isn't that amazing? They're smart people. Okay, so here's how it works. I'm going to show you this. This is going to, again, show you the gospel, but it's going to show you a simple way to present it. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Okay, so this is on your phone, literally. You, you hold this. If you were talking to somebody, you could say, and they said, um, what do you believe? You know, what do you believe as a Christian? You could go, well, let me show you. And you can pull out your phone. You look like a genius. You just push open, the, you know, the app and you go, okay, this is what I believe. So there's us and there's God. And there's distance between us and God. You know, we want to be with him, but, but there's distance between us. Go to the next slide. There's actually a gap between us and God. And that gap is separation because of our sin. And you explain what sin is. Sin is the fact that I disobey God. I don't, I, I don't do what he says. And because of it, I don't have a relationship with him. Because I've disobeyed him and he wants me to have a relationship with him. But there's sin. There's this, this problem in the middle. So what do I do about it? Go to the next slide. I try and do good works. You should see it when you actually do this in real life. It's so cool. Just zip, zip. It's like very cool. So we try to do good works, which means we try to do our best to please God. We try to do our best. And, and you know, but our best isn't good enough. And you could explain the fact that um, if... You know, I, I, here, I'll give you another analogy I use. So I'll say to somebody, so how many, you know, how many murders does it take before you're a murderer? And they'll say, one. Work with me, people, work with me. Let's say one. <laughs> one murderer, and I'm a murderer. I, you know, how many, you know, thefts, and then I'm a thief? One. Then I'll say, how many sins, and you're a sinner? One. Right? Now, it doesn't seem quite as fair, does it? I mean, we think murderer, yeah, I should be in prison, killed somebody. A sin, I mean, I might have just, you know, had a random bad thought, and now I'm as bad as, yeah, yeah, one sin and you're a sinner. Get it? So I'll, I'll often do that. I'll say we fall short. And then the point is God is 100% perfect. Like he's perfect. 
So here's the problem. If you only sin once your whole life, you'd still not be perfect, correct? Now, here's another problem, and I use this all the time to talk to people. I say, so if you left talking to me right now and you decided that you were going to be perfect from here on in your life, I mean, you're challenged. I need to do better. I need to be nicer. I need to, you know, not sin. And what if you did that and you could not sin the rest of your life? First of all, I say to them, could you do that? They say, no. I say, neither could I. But I said, if you could do that, that would be nice. But what about all the bad stuff you've already done? They don't know what to do with that. What, what do you do with that? I don't know. See, you can't do anything about it. What do you do? You've, you're already less than perfect. That means you can't be with God. You've got a problem. You're falling short. Let's go to the next one. So then the problem is when we fall short, we can't get to God. It means death for us. We're alone. We're separated. We have pain. We're, we're, it's forever. We're lost, right? Some pretty heavy words there. Let's go to the next slide. But here's the good news. Jesus became the bridge, right? Jesus became the bridge. So he died on the cross for our sins, paid the price. He now, if we trust in him, we have hope. He's our friend. He gives us his love, peace, and he gives us a future. It's good news. Go to the next slide. And it cancels out the death. When we, Jesus, when we accept what Jesus did, he becomes the bridge, it cancels the death out. Next slide. And so when we receive Christ, we can go across and have relationship with him. Now this, I got to tell you, this app's really cool. It's called Share Your Faith. And it's zip, zip, zip. Some of those points, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, people would just be impressed the fact that you're using it. I mean, they're just like, wow, I almost feel like getting saved just by looking at your app. No, I mean, probably not. But, but, it, but it, it's an amazing tool, okay? So the point is you receive, and again, same story that I just shared with you, but something you could use in your hand. Does this seem simple to you? It's even free. Say free. free. Say simple. Simple and free. <laughs> yeah, even better, right? Even better. Two best words, right? So, so download this on your phone because you'll be ready then. Did you know that the key is being ready? It's like me when I was uh, in Saskatoon. I mentioned how I had that, that tract available and uh, I was ready. Okay, next, next one here. I got I to gotta speed up. I bogged down. Um, there's a couple more apps you can get. One is called Be Ready. And it's based on the conference that's coming up. You can see it in your program for people to learn how to share their faith. I'd encourage you to go to it. It's called the, the Be Ready, um, or Faith Beyond Belief, right? Faith Beyond Belief Conference. Their, their app's called Be Ready. The Be Ready app, which you can get free, gives you lots of information about how you can share your faith with others and how you can counteract their, their questions. Lots of information. Because that's one of the things. People have questions. They tell you, you know, what, what about this? What about the pygmies in Africa? Stuff like that, right? There's answers for that, but you need to learn them. You know, one of the things that I was sharing this morning with somebody in the prayer room, I think it was Doug Scott, and I was saying, I, I was a salesman once. And when I was a salesman, I spent a lot of time on my pitch, right? Like I worked hard to know what to say and how to counteract people's, you know, objections and all that stuff. I worked hard on that. Listen, we have the best message. And I'm not talking that we're salesmen. We are conveyors of the good news. We have the best message. We need to know how to share it. We need to learn, right? We need to learn because we have the greatest message in the world and God wants us to be convincing with it. So just a thought. The Gideons also have a great app that has information on it. Okay, and then there's our church pamphlet. You can show that. Oh, this is my hand in its first modeling career. It's powerful. Anyway, so uh, this, is the <laughs> this is the front, front side, back side. So inside... Without getting to detail, inside, these are free, by the way. Another good word we like, free, at, at our table. And we have them available. Pick them up and have them available with you. You never know. It's like me in the Saskatoon airport or Calgary airport after I came from Saskatoon. And that young woman was there. And as I left, God said, give her that, give her that pamphlet. Because I didn't have a chance to share with her. So I did. I shared that last week. I had something to give her, right? It shares the gospel inside. It's simple. I probably never see her again in my lifetime. I, I probably won't see Paula again. Maybe I will, but I might not. But you know what? Paula knows my message because I gave her this. And she also knew I cared about her because we had a good chat. So just something that we can think about. Okay, lastly, let's see here. Number, 
uh, praying with purpose is the final thing I want to talk about, and that's how I'm going to conclude. One of the things that we need to do is go ahead of our desire to reach people with the gospel by praying with purpose and, and doing this. And I'm going to give you some key points to pray for. I'm not going to labor on it too much because we're almost out of time here, but I want to give you some key points. Number one, pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in the people that we are trying to reach. Pray that he'll touch them. You know, I, I remember I would pray, I, I prayed for years for my relatives that God, that the Holy Spirit would draw people into their orbit. See, a lot of my relatives don't live around here and they know my wife, my mom shared with them, I've shared with them, but I don't live there. So I pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, draw people into the orbit of my relatives all the time. You know, the cool thing is I, <clears throat> I have an uncle who passed away some years ago uh, in 2013 and um, I was really sad because I didn't get one last chance to see him. I was going to see him in July. He died like in May. And I never got one last chance to talk to him about Jesus. I was, I was sad about that. I, I was ready to, I, I thought, in July when I go, I'm going to approach it. And didn't get a chance. So I was kind of distressed about it. <clears throat> but when I was, we were going through his stuff, I found a Bible. And I remember my mom telling me that he had a Pentecostal friend. And um, so his Pentecostal friend had given him a Bible. So that encouraged me because I thought, you know what? His Pentecostal friend was sharing with him all the time. And even so much that he gave him a Bible. Now, the sad part is the Bible didn't look like it was used at all. But we won't go there. But, but, but my point was somebody was brought into my uncle's life. And that was an answer to prayer. Pray for the Holy Spirit to work. Pray for him to soften hearts of the people you're working with. Um, so important. Pray, number two, for open doors. Open doors. God, you know, Paul said... Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Ask the Lord to open doors that are natural with your family members, with your people at work. You know, I remember an open door with one of my aunts and um, I wanted to talk to her. She was ailing and she was 94 at the time. I have a lot of older relatives because I've shared stories about some of the other ones. And, and I wanted to see her, and it ended up being, and this was a God thing, an open door. I was on Vancouver Island, and she, and I got the call from my other, co from my cousin, and, and I, it worked out that because I was on holidays there, I got to go up to her lodge, and I got to share the gospel with her in her room. And it, it was tough, I must admit, it wasn't an easy share, but it was a share, and I got to do, God open the door. If we pray, God will open the door. Listen, don't write anybody off. Can I just say that right now? Don't write anybody off until the breath is out of their body. Don't write them off. God can do anything. He can bring anybody. He can, yeah, that's all. I just want to say that. Um, the, pray for divine appointments with other people you don't even know. I, I remember I've told the story before, and I won't go through it now, but uh, my neighbor who came from next door one day, he was walking across the street, and I was doing something on my van, and the Lord just prompted me. He says, you need, you need to go talk to him. So I went out, not knowing what, you know, I just, hey, how are you doing? And we started talking. Ended up, he sat on my deck, and he wept, and I prayed for him, and I shared the gospel. He didn't give his life to Christ, but it was a very powerful moment in his life. And it was a divine appointment. It was God opening a door for me. Pray for those. And, and the other thing I want to say about this, and, and not to be heavy, <laughs> but it is kind of heavy. Let, let's not let opportunities go by. You know, I've shared the story before. It's in my book, too, which is soon coming out, and it's a hard story about a guy named George in Medicine Hat who I went with another guy to, to share with and to, and to, to you know, we were, we were soliciting opportunities to do uh, work in our neighborhood to, to, <laughs> to gain an opportunity to share the gospel with people. So we are going there to serve, acts of service, because we wanted to show the love of Jesus. And I went to this guy's house, and I, I'll share it briefly for those who haven't heard it, and he had an oxygen tank. And, and I said, can we cut your lawn? He said, no, it's already done. And yeah, he said, do you want to come in? And I, I remember we looked at him, and he had oxygen tanks. still gets me to this day. And uh, I said, being task-oriented like I am, well, we're kind of out here right now getting these appointments for this team we have coming to show the love of Jesus so we can share the gospel. I don't have time to share the gospel with you right now. Uh, so I said to him, but I, I didn't think that way, but I said, i got to do this right now, but I'll be back. I'll be back. He said, okay. That was it. So we went and did this. Days went by. I went on a little mini holiday. It was less than two weeks later. I went back to George's house. Seriously, I did not forget about him. I walked down the street. I'm heading to George's house. I'm walking by. The guy on the porch next door who knew me because I 
I was known in that neighborhood quite well because I, I spent a lot of time. And he goes, hey, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going to see George. He goes, well, you won't be seeing him anymore. He just died Thursday. So I went, what? Yeah, no, George is dead. Sorry, I still feel this. You don't know how George, I mean, listen, I don't know where George is at. He might have been a believer. I just don't know. And I wish I did. And I wish I'd had a chance to talk to him. You know what I mean? I wish I could back up in time and sit with George and go, yeah, you want to come in? Yes, I do. Yes, George. Let me pray for you at least. All I'm saying is, listen, I'm not laying it heavy, but this is life and death stuff. Don't let it go by. And when you do repent, say, God, forgive me. I've done it. Have you done it since then? But just remember, there's some urgency, folks. We don't always know. We don't always know. We need to have some urgency. Pray for open doors. Pray for courage so we can proclaim. We need courage. Remember we said fear? Pray for courage. God, give me courage. Pray for clarity of speech. Lord, help me say this. Help me use my app properly. You know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> I mean, the Apostle Paul didn't have an app. But I guaranteed if he did, he would have used it. Right? He would have. It would be amazing if he was around today. He'd be on TV. It'd be amazing. Anyway, <clears throat> and then lastly, pray for your manner to be right when sharing your story. Pray for your manner to be right. What do I mean by that? That your attitude, the way you carry yourself, the way you share, it's out of compassion and love and grace. You know, that you're not being judgmental or negative or, you know, I gotta, I'm going to discharge my function by telling you the truth. And if you don't take it, well, then that's bad for you i'm moving on that's not what we're here for <laughs> just have a good attitude you have a good heart caring for those people pray for your matter god help me and help me remain humble help me remain loving help me be kind even when they get a little difficult help me not get defensive and angry help me not you know what i mean help me with my manner so god, god wants us to walk into our world be transparent tell our story and pray with purpose pray with purpose now how many people remember the power of one last week? Remember this? It was in, it's in your program right now. And so I have to confess something. Oh, man. I just get humbled all the time. I was telling Doug Scott again. Doug was like my priest this morning. I was talking to him. <laughs> anyway, no. But I... I, I <laughs> no, I was telling Doug Scott, though. I said, I got to be honest, Doug. I forgot about the pray for once. And I said, which is really bad because I presented it. Right? Like... Yeah, we need to do this, people. And then yesterday, Saturday, I'm like, oops, I forgot. <laughs> Monday, Monday was my day off, and then just left my mind. So I just confessing it. Lord said, well, you better be honest about it. I'm like, yeah, I'll be honest. Oh, well, at least I set the bar low. Everyone knows <laughs> they can do better than me, right? Yeah, we can do better than pastor. I love going to that church. I always feel superior to him. Hey, so here's the thing. If you forgot like me, and I won't do a hand count here, but I'm betting there's some people like me, then I want to encourage you to, to pick this up, fill out the five names. I actually have six on mine because I just couldn't delineate. So, And then the idea is to pray, pray at 1 o'clock for one minute for one person and then pray for your church for a minute. Or it can be another time, but just consistent. And I'm going to set it on my phone so it goes off and then I'll remember. And then like at 1 o'clock, you know, if you can, just... Okay, Lord, I bring this one name and then the next name and I pray for these people, okay? And then uh, pray for over the next couple weeks before Easter. Connect with each of them once uh, in this time, either by phone, text, or visit. Um, if you can, if you can. It may not be possible for all of them, but if you can, somehow connect. And then number, last part, invite one of them uh, to the Easter service if you can. You know, we're going to have a great Easter service and I would love to see it full here. And it would be great if we could pray ahead into it and invite our neighbors. I have some people, I want to invite my neighbors. And they would actually come, right? But we need to pray for it, and maybe they won't. But at least we try. Because we're going to share the gospel, and it's going to be strong, and I believe it's an opportunity. So, let's join up for the prayer chain. Let's not forget, like I did, the praying for one minute every day and the power of one, and let's see God do some things. And most of all, let's be available to the Holy Spirit and, and, and just tell ourselves it's simple to be a witness. It's simple. Father, I've got some tools. Okay, Lord, help me be ready. And Lord, bring them my way. Just this week, I want to pray for you. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you. We're, we're, we're done here. I want to pray for you. Thank you for persevering here. Hopefully you're inspired like I am. 
But I just, I just want to pray for you, and then, then we'll be done. Let's just close your eyes. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we love you. Bottom line. And the only reason we want to share our faith, really, is because you have been so good to us. And we want to be like that woman who said, come and, and meet this man. We want to tell them what happened in our lives. We, we want to be ready to share your love with them. So God, would you help us, each one of us here? Lord, I know every one of us has a heart that wants to do this. I pray against fear. I pray against confusion. I pray for clarity. And I thank you, Father, that you help us to be a soul-winning church. I pray we be a people that would be in our workplace, in our school, in our neighborhood, in our families. We would be carrying the gospel. And Lord, we'd, we'd have many, many stories of what you're doing. And I ask you to do that. Bless each person in Jesus' name. And just with our head bowed, eyes closed, one last thing. I want to ask, is there anyone here? I mean, I just shared the gospel twice, you know, in these illustrations. But you've heard the truth now. You know. And anyone here that's never done this, and you know, you sense God tugging your heart today. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you willing to admit today that you're a sinner? Are you willing to admit that, that you can't please God on your own, that, that you need a Savior, willing to admit. Number two, are you willing to believe that Jesus is the one who paid the price for your sin? And number three, are you willing to confess Him and to commit your life to Him and make Him Lord? Let Him sit on the throne of your heart. Begin to serve Him. He has a good plan for you. He, he, he loves you. But if you're here and you've never done it and your heart is stirred and you know now is the moment, would you do me a favor? Just with our heads bowed, eyes closed, everyone here, just give privacy. Just between you and me now. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone here wants to give their life? Yeah, I see your hand. Anyone else here wants to do that today? Just slip your hand up. I'll look. I'll see it. You can put it back down. Anyone else wants to give their life to Jesus today? Let's pray with this person who put their hand up. Can we do that? Pray together, all together, so we don't single them out. Just say, dear Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And then he rose again from the grave. And he lives forever to be my Lord. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Sit on the throne of my life. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. Let's give a clap to the Lord today.